it's great to meet you at last. We've, we've corresponded a couple of times and um, I'm on a journey to find out a bit more about what makes Major League Rugby work uh, because um, I think there's a great deal of interest um, not only in Major League Rugby but also in League One Rugby up there in Japan as well because you guys seem to be at the cutting edge of building something really good. Um, but before I do that, uh, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself for my, you know, for the viewers and, and for the listeners? Uh, yeah, thanks, Bob. Really appreciate um, you yeah, reaching out and, and look forward to this chat immensely. Um, so my name is Mike Rogers. I'm a, a professional rugby coach from New Zealand, currently living in Quincy, which is a, is a small city within uh, Boston, um, Massachusetts in the US, coaching the New England Free Jacks, which is a a uh, new team into the competition in our in our third season in Major League Rugby. So um, I know when we were kind of trying to sort the technology out before, we had a little bit of a chat. And and I guess the uh, the best way of describing it, it is a, it is a challenge over here um, because things are new, but that's really exciting and invigorating because there's an opportunity to be impactful and and um, hopefully create something here with the Free Jacks that'll that'll last for a long time in terms of um, sustained success. So really enjoying the journey so far. Um, and and your, really rugby, your rugby background in New Zealand? Um, yes, so coached, I've been coaching for 13 or 14 years now. I coached um, local club team and then went, went through to Bay Plenty under-19s, Bay Plenty minor 10 team. Last year I coached the Waikato um, FPC team who won the Farrah Palmer Cup, which was pretty cool. Um, so yeah, never played the game to any, any particularly high standard. Um, not sure whether that's a strength or a weakness. I think in some ways, uh, honing your craft for you know, six, seven, eight years as an amateur coach and then and transitioning into professional sets up really nicely. Um, but there's obviously some knowledge gaps there that you need to pick up along the way that uh, former professional players would probably have over you to, to get things started. But yeah, mate, really proud of my journey and, and certainly don't forget where I've come from in terms of coming from it. You know, amateur coaching background and and huge respect to those people still coaching at those levels because that's what makes our game game great. It, it certainly uh, does, and you can't do without them, and you can't do without the grassroots of the game because that's where in our case that's where the All Blacks are born and um, and nurtured. Uh, and uh, for too long now, since professional rugby, I think uh, that part of the game has been somewhat ignored, and hopefully uh, that's going to change uh, in the. Uh, you know, in the near future. Uh, the Free Jacks, where does that name come from? Um, so we're obviously based in Boston, and, and Boston is where a lot of the war um, for independence kind of was staged, and, and, and it's you know, obviously really close to Europe, so it's where the, the English uh, suffered a few heavy defeats. So uh, the Free Jacks effectively stands for, you know, free of the Union Jack, and um, lots of proud history around here in terms of the city and in terms of... Um, you know, the independence stuff, but also, you know, more recently, uh, presidents that have come from Boston and then and also the things that Massachusetts and New England are famous for around professional sport, um, medicine, um, education and stuff like that. It's actually been really cool to get to know uh, what makes this place tick because it's, um, you know, it's pretty unique and, mate, it's extremely cold as well. So that's definitely been a shock to the old system. <laughs> well... Um, you know, well, it's, uh, it's, it's a bit windy here in North Canterbury today. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, not a bad temperature at the moment. So, uh, 
you know, it's uh, it's not it's not too bad. And for a change, we've had quite a bit of rain, so the ground's green. Uh, I live on a few acres here, so yeah, it's a it's a great place to be. Um, I won't go into the politics of New Zealand at the moment because I promise that I wouldn't do that on my podcast. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, it, it seems to me as though after a couple of uh, false starts, MLR seems to be getting its act together. I mean, it's really gaining in traction. So 13-team competition this year, six teams in our conference in the East and seven in the West. Um, a lot of talk around maybe one or two more teams entering next year. I think they want to get to 16 and uh, two conferences of eight teams, which would be fantastic. Um, it feels uh, really stable in terms of club ownership and and stable in terms of clubs being you know viable. So it's still a, a loss leader for our for our owners, but in particular here at the Free Jacks, we're doing a great job of engaging with fans and, and building an audience. And um, you know that's the long term game here is to actually make a professional sports team that's, you know, viable without our owners having to uh, reach into their back pockets every year. So, mate, it's a, it is a really cool, uh, you yeah, so different to New Zealand on a whole number of levels and that private ownership thing is different. The, the travel um, is crazy, you know, we've played four away games already this season to uh, New Orleans, Washington, D.C., L.A. and New York. So we've been on the road effectively for four weeks, which is, you know, it's pretty unique. Um but what a great way to see the country as well. So yeah. certainly appreciate the um, opportunity to get around and have a look. Like the diversity of this country is phenomenal. And I think that comes through in the, the way the game's played as well. Every team's quite different in terms of their game model and their identity. So, mate, it's, um, yeah, it's challenging, but it's enjoyable at the same time. Yeah, no. And, and how are the Free Jacks travelling this year? Uh, so we're going all right. So we've played four games, won three. So we uh, managed to get wins against New Orleans, uh, D.C., and New York away, which are, are pretty big wins in our, within our conference. Um, we slipped up against the LA uh, Giltinis, who are the uh, championship winning team last year. Uh, pretty phenomenal experience that going down there. The hotel that we stayed at was about three kilometres away from Manhattan Beach. Uh, we played at the Coliseum, which is an 80,000 seat stadium. Um, it's, yeah, obviously the stadium wasn't full of fans, but um, pretty cool experience, both for the coaches and, and the athletes on the field. The coaches' box had 10 seats in there, but there was only two coaches sitting in there. So um, it's certainly a, um, a hell of a lot different to Mighty 10 Cup in New Zealand, that's for sure. Yeah, no, I've, I interviewed uh, the marketing manager from the uh, Giltinis, Giltinis, however you say it, um, uh, on a podcast just recently. And a young guy, and he's going to be going places, and that was part of my little journey. I'm going to be speaking to a friend of mine called David Hodges, um, who is um, is with the uh, team in Austin, Texas. I think it's owned by by the same guy who owns the the LA yep. the LA team. Um, you know, to get an insight into um, how things how things are traveling. One of the things that um, I think has been noticeable in the last little while is that the United States didn't qualify for the World Cup. Uh, and I think that's been a bit of a shock to a lot of people, given that it doesn't seem as though the, their ability in sevens has translated into 15s. What, what do you put that down to? Um, oh, man, it's a really complicated beast, and I haven't got my head entirely around it yet, but there's not a great alignment between Major League Rugby and USA Rugby, so they're two separate entities, and, and there's you know not great alignment there. Um, 
But I do, I have a firm belief that Major League Rugby is going to be great for the game in the States, but it's going to take some time, you know. So the work that we're doing at the grassroots level here in New England in terms of you know, engaging with the new audience around people playing playing the game, um, you know, uh, resourcing local high schools and college programs and helping them, like that's going to pay off, but it's it's a five to ten year, you know, even longer kind of project. So turning the tide for the for the US national team is not going to be an easy fix. Um, but, you know, we've got a, uh, even though we have a high number of foreigners on our roster, we've got a real emphasis on developing local players. And we've contracted a couple of local guys this year that are they're really standing out playing Major League Rugby week in, week out, which was probably just a pipe dream for them 12 months ago. So it, it'll be a real positive, but it's just going to take a bit of time. And, and the competition's finding its feet around, um, I guess it's identity in terms of wanting to have a really good product on the field. And in order to do that, you need to have really good athletes participating versus developing local players. And at the, at the moment, the balance is probably not quite right yet. Um, but I think it's heading in that direction. And I know they're talking around reducing the foreign player quotas and stuff over time. But in the meantime, we need to ensure that the product's good because the product is what creates the audience. So it's a little bit of a, um, you know, it's a little bit of a tough one striking that balance, but, Mate, I think long term, there's no doubt that uh, Major League Rugby is going to be fantastic for the game here. And you know, there's 350 million people or whatever it is. So we don't need that many of them to be playing the game to actually have a really, no. really awesome sport. There's a bit of a parallel with soccer, Mike. Um, you know, I'm an avid soccer supporter ever since before I was born. I was a Tottenham supporter, but um, and played a fair bit of it in my youth as well, uh, as well as rugby. Um, and it's t- it's taken a long time for soccer to take off. You know, the, the soccer mums, they embraced it early on because I think that they, they thought it was good for their young kids. Um, you know, it wasn't like playing American football. Um, this is a different, uh, different kettle of fish and it is going to take some time. But it's a matter of, you know, finding that tipping point and, you know, it, and it'll come, you know, and... And uh, as you say, it is going to take some time. And, and I think guys like yourself going up from New Zealand are going to help immensely in, uh, you know, in bringing the, the Kiwi way of doing things, but at the same time embracing the differences. You know, one of the things that I talk about quite frequently is that rugby's become McDonald's rugby. No matter where you go in the world, it all looks the same. It's like going to McDonald's, you know. It doesn't matter where you have a McDonald's, it all tastes the same anywhere yeah. in the world. And that's the way rugby is currently being played. There's no, there's hardly any differences. New Zealand's a bit different because they, they try and play an attacking brand of rugby. But, you know, where is the Welsh style? Where's the, well, the French are starting to come back, but, you know, you know, South Africa, they've never changed from 10-man rugby. England, they don't know what style they want to play most of the time. <laughs> And, uh, you know, um, and, and you, die, you know, I hear what you say. And then I, I've watched a few games um, from up in Japan. And, you know, I'm fairly close to Robbie Deans up there. And, um, you know, and they're trying to play, develop their own brand, their own style of playing the game. And it was great to hear you say that in different parts of the country in America, they play their own way. I think that's fantastic. Oh, man, it's... Um... Yeah, the future is bright over here. Like, it's going to take time. I think the clubs that are doing the best are the ones in terms of continued success. They're building, like, pretty, you know, at a, a pretty, uh, 
that's a word for it, not a slow pace, but they're not in a great hurry to solve all the all the rugby problems in one day. So no. Yeah, that's certainly what, what we're about here is we want to build an audience, we want to build rugby in the region, we want to, you know, the the best thing we can do is tell the story of rugby, which is really different to every other sport yep. in America. You know, like it's for a start, it's a sport for anyone, it's a sport you can pick up as a in your youth or as an adult. There isn't a high cost of entry. Like there is a little bit here around travel, but like it's low cost of entry compared to a lot of other sports. You know, it's a sport that you can play into your fifties or sixties if you really wanted to. Not me, not me particularly, but no. there's a lot of really good stuff there, and the the ethos and the values that are associated with the game are really different to a lot of other sports over here in terms of you know it's um, you know there just isn't that same I guess value set and looking after people when they finish playing the game and and also, you know, it's a sport for life, as you know, and I think we just need to do a, a better job at telling that story. And yeah, that's the that's sort of reasons why people would want their kids to get involved. Um, yeah. And, and, and I think that's very important because you've got to appeal to the parents as well as the kids. And um, yeah. it's one, of, you know, it's a, it's a sport where you can go just about anywhere in the world and find your local rugby club and walk in there and you're in amongst a bunch of mates immediately. Uh, because you yeah, absolutely, this. and and there's always little connections, you know. So you walk into a rugby yeah. club somewhere, and and then that somebody knows somebody that you know from back home, or someone travelled there 20 years ago, and that might be one of your mates' dads or something. You know, there's always these little connections that take place, which is uh, the world of rugby is actually a big one, but it's actually relatively small as well. So, yeah, yeah. I love all that stuff. Yeah, mate, that, but it sounds to me as though you've found a really you've landed in a really good spot in your coaching career uh, at the moment. What do you, what are your ultimate aims in coaching? Uh, mate, I made a lot of, I talk about my favorite failures as a coach. And I think the vast majority of the favorite failures that I've had have been due to being in too much of a hurry. Yes. You know, it was always about the I want to move from club rugby to representative rugby, from rep rugby to the minor team cup, from minor team cup to wherever or, you know, and it was all, you kind of have it all mapped out. And, and I think when you do that, you miss the point, which is it's actually about looking after people, but we're, we're servants really, aren't we? So um, I don't actually have any like huge ambitions over and above doing a really good job in the job that I'm in at the moment and, and you know, being impactful and looking after people within our organisation. And, and I just have a, a real underlying belief that whatever will happen will happen. You know, I know it sounds yeah. a little bit spiritual or whatever, but, um, it's not really like that at all. It's just like, man, I just need to be in the moment and, and challenge myself to be the best rugby coach I can every day. Don't always get that right, but rather than going, oh, well, if we win the competition here, then there'll be an opportunity with here. And, oh, and you yeah, know, you just yeah. from one thing to the next. And I don't think people, you probably don't even take the time to enjoy what you're doing, which, you know, there's probably not too many better jobs in the world than, than coaching rugby, you know, it's, especially as a profession. So it's um, pretty awesome and I'm very, um, very grateful yeah. for that. Well, I could never be a coach, mate. I've got the wrong personality to be a coach. Um, but, I, <laughs> but I took up refereeing when I played, and that was my relaxation. It might sound strange, but for, for the 80-odd minutes, you couldn't think of anything else. You couldn't think about you know, problems at work or at home or anything like that. It was uh, just total focus on the game and got to run around with some great rugby players. You know, my era, there was the Campeses of this world that I refereed obviously in australia um so yeah but anybody can find their little part of the game that uh you know that they um that they like and uh they excel at 
um, and it sounds like you're uh, you're on a great journey and to be part of MLR as it um, looks to me from afar as though it's actually going to sort of be around for a while now. Oh man, I don't think there's any doubt that it's going to be around. Like the people behind um, a lot of the teams are, are really clear in that they want this thing to be you know, a long-term project. It's not like a couple of other attempts I've had at getting things started over here. Like it's mm. you know, really well set up and there's a lot of support around if, you know, team owners and stuff um, need to change. There's a, a method around that to ensure that, you know, teams survive even if they do have an ownership change. And there's a lot of really good, good positive stuff that um, sits in behind. And what is a really foreign concept for me around, you know, ownership and stuff is a lot different to yeah, sure. rugby in yeah. New Zealand, that's for sure. But um, man, I have no doubt that it's going to be around long term and I have no doubt that it's going to, you know, uh, create a, make a huge difference in terms of the sporting landscape in the US, but it's just going to take a bit of time. Well, I can tell you one thing that would make a big difference in America, and that is for the uh, World Rugby to uh, give uh, the USA the, uh, the Rugby World Cup. Um, I think they're looking at uh, bidding for it in next yeah. eight years or something like that. And I think that would make a huge difference um, to, uh, to the profile of rugby within America. Um, and uh, hope, I hope that comes off because that's got to be very helpful. Yeah, man, it sounds really positive on that front. There's a lot of um, influential people that have kind of pitched onto that, that concept. And I think, um, yeah, man, it would make a huge difference to have a World Cup here and you've know, got some fantastic facilities where games can be played and, and the people would get behind it because people just love sport here. It's like part of their idea, like the American identity is, you know, professional yeah. sport in particular, but the whole thing around making international rugby more accessible to the US market just makes a lot of sense. You know, we've seen with Japan after hosting the World Cup, they've had a yeah. massive growth in, in the game there in terms of participation, but also in terms of support for the professional competition up there, which has taken taken off over the last two or three years. So, um, yeah, yeah, I have no doubt it's going to be a real positive. You know, and uh, it's just, uh, you know, that so them... I, I picked out them and America to do a little bit more study on because, you know, you hear about these things, but until you talk to people like yourself, you don't really get a flavor for what's actually happening on the ground. And from what you've said to me, um, you know, it's, uh, it seems to me as though, yeah, uh, this is a really good thing for American rugby, but it's also a good thing for world rugby as well. Yeah, but I, I, I totally agree. And, the crazy thing is, is when you're here, you can actually see how hard it is, like to actually get something like this off the ground. And you now we were down in New York last week, and you know, they're, they're where their kind of training facility and where they're kind of based in the city. There's only one venue at the where they could play, which was actually at a high school. So we played there. It holds about a thousand people. And um, you know, in the week before, we're playing at the Coliseum, which is an eighty thousand seat stadium, and you can just see where everybody's at in terms of building the infrastructure around their clubs. And it, it's a massive job, like finding the right people, you know, putting together a rugby team that's competitive with good coaches and stuff. And then you've got all the other stuff, like you know, that we take for granted in New Zealand around having a stadium and how that yeah. functions. And man, it's a it's a huge undertaking, but you got to take your head off to these people, like people putting money into this because they believe in the dream and then a whole bunch of people working their backsides off to try and facilitate it. It's, um, 
you know, it's similar, like when we we're down at our stadium before Veterans Memorial Stadium, which is a, about a 5,000 uh, seat set up and it's, it's awesome. But the amount of work that goes in from our staff to actually pull off the event that we're going to have tomorrow is phenomenal, you know, because it's a multi-use facility, so you can't have things there permanently. And it's, um, yeah. you know, she's a big undertaking and it's certainly um, a bit of an eye-opener compared to New Zealand where everyone's, you know, all my team teams have their own stadium and it's pretty easy to run on game day and there's no drama around board broadcasts and all that sort of thing. Like, it's pretty seamless. Yeah. Um, whereas here, it's um, there's a hell of a lot of challenges, that's for sure. Mike, it's been fantastic talking to you. Um, you know, I've been looking forward to this because I know that you're a bit of a trailblazer up there um, and uh, come from the grassroots of rugby in New Zealand to up there helping um, the New England Free Jacks um, carve their way in the rugby world. And, um, you know, I take my hat off to you, mate. And, um, and I really hope that, uh, you know, you have a lot of success this year and, and in future years. Uh, and, uh, yeah, no, thank you very much for joining me. Um, you know, I've, uh, I've really enjoyed the chat. Even though Thank you're you. recording this at the moment. <laughs> yeah, mate, I thought I was interviewing you there for a while, but um, I'm glad yeah. that we've managed to sort out our role clarity. Um, yeah. Thank you very much for, for getting reaching out. And I think it's awesome to be you know, being able to talk about what's happening up here. I think it's really good for the profile of the, the competition and the people involved and stuff. And um, made, um, like I said to you before, there's not too many better jobs in the world. Like it's tough being away from family and stuff, but, you know, pl- coaching professional rugby in the US I certainly wasn't thinking about that when I was my old impatient self um, 